Welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Real-world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Today, my name is Terry Fletcher. Well, it is the last Tuesday of February, so that means Top 10 Tuesday. And today I'm going to focus on some things that have to do with time, since we've had such a push to use time as not just a qualifier in our E&M services. And then all I keep reading about lately is about prolonged services, which I don't know about you guys, but my physicians, my clients hardly ever use those before. And they were allowed to be used with any code prior to 2021. But now that they're only allowed to be used for level threes and now in the hospital for services before and after and time for that, uh, it seems like there's just this big push and almost they're trying to bait our providers into using time for everything. And when you have to count minutes and when you have to support it. And then you also have to look at your scheduling that day to see if you could even support it. Remember, we're trying to make sure we have a medically believable day, not a medically unbelievable day. And time can get away from you when you start to time everything. So my top 10 today is really my top 10 concerns about this. Some things will include a couple questions, but some things are just really looking at some concerns when we look at the time-based codes and what you're dealing with right now. And and just some things I want you to think about before you jump right into time-based. So a couple of things, and I'm going to start with the prolonged services. Was there a replacement, here's number one, for non-face-to-face services that your provider is doing independently of a visit? So I think you're talking about the 99358 and add-on code 99359. Now that's still a valid CPT code, you know, 30 minutes of basically reviewing a chart, let's say, when the patient's not there on a different day than the encounter. The problem is, is that Medicare used to pay for it, but CMS has now given these codes a status indicator of invalid. So they are not paying for this service and didn't provide any replacement for these services now as far as non-face-to-face. I think the the reason is, is that um, you're getting some non-face-to-face value in your E&M service as long as you provide it on the same date as the encounter, as the face-to-face encounter. And then I know a lot of people have been asking me, can we use the prolonged service code on psychotherapy codes, um, for example, 90837, or can we use them on phone call codes? The answer is neither. So they can't be billed with psychotherapy codes. They cannot be billed to reflect the phone call codes. On phone call codes, once you hit 30 minutes, you're out of luck. It's really to encourage the patient to come into a face-to-face or try to be available for a face-to-face audio and video call. Um, they, they just want to, and I say they, I mean the payers, they really want you to kind of stay away from the audio only unless it is imperative because the patient doesn't have another option. So you know, that's why they made some permanent permanency and some rules on that when it comes to the uh, behavioral health. Now, there's another uh, question that comes up quite a bit, and this is interesting. Somebody had said, now, there's no add-on code in in a G-code sense 
for home resident services. Now, Medicare created three new G codes for prolonged care um, for home resident services uh, in the G code section, GO316, GO317, GO318. And GO318 is prolonged home or residence evaluation and management service beyond the total time of the primary service. Uh, and they're talking about the, the highest valued code but they do not have an equivalent for CPT. And it even says, do not, you know, um, do not bill for the 99417 or 99358. Uh, so just so you know, that's, um, that's something that came into play for Medicare says we could see it, but AMA says as a general rule, nobody would pay for that. And then last on the, the prolonged service, I'm surprised I'm still getting this this question, but the, to me, you really need to make sure, and I'm not being flip, I'm not being unsensitive, I'm not even being disrespectful. I'm actually just telling it to you straight. You have to get a new CPT book every year. I get a question all the time and it says, what about code 993XO? This is denied as invalid. That was a placeholder code for the new code, prolonged service in the hospital, a 99418. So whenever you see an X in the actual CPT code in the year prior to the CPT code coming out, know that that's just a placeholder. It's invalid. You're never going to be able to use that. And you can avoid that mistake as long as you get your new CPT book every year. Um, and even CMS says don't use any of the codes before AMA releases them. So you would not have received denials if you didn't if you use that code, um, you know, prior to it, knowing what the actual code was. So be, be really cautious about that. I see that every once in a while. So getting into more. So now I'm at kind of number five here. One thing that I think is going to be a real tough thing to, to deal with is for providers who use time when they're um, trying to look at their total time of a complete ENM service. Because remember what AMA says, they're very generic. They said, well, you, you don't have to list every little thing, but we do want to see most of the services or some services that are included. And by the way, you cannot use any time of your clinical staff. You can only use time that the actual physician or other qualified healthcare professional the one that's billing the service is actually providing the service. So if you hand off your chart to, let's say, order a test to the clinical staff, the back office staff, medical assistant, RN, whatever, and you're just telling them to order it. Now, if you're using medical decision making, you'd get the credit for the order under category one. But for time, you only get the Two, two seconds it asked you to, you know, that you handed it off and said, hey, can you order an echo for this patient or get this approved? Um, you don't even get a minute for it because that doesn't take a minute. So for coding purposes, it's the total time on the date of the encounter. I'm talking about office visits or hospital visits. It does include both the face-to-face -face and non-face-to-face -face time, but it's personally spent by the physician that is taking care of that patient on the day of that encounter. The other thing that I think, and again, this is just a, an extension of what I'm talking about. Remember, you cannot use time if you are charging for, if, you, if you're charging for a test that uh, you want. So let's say you are ordering an echo, but you charge for that. You're already getting paid for it. So all the way through some of those services that you might list, there's also a caveat that says not separately reported. So when you're saying, well, I'm, I'm put in there, I'm preparing to see the patient, reviewing tests and their chart. Well, if you, I have to go back now and look at 
as an auditor, look at the ledger and say, okay, did they charge for the echo, the EKG, the x-ray, et cetera? And if you did, then I have to say, okay, how much time can I subtract from that for that chart? And I do usually two minutes um, a test because there's no standard. This is why I don't like this. I don't like default to, to time. And the other thing about, you know, obtaining and reviewing separately obtained history or exam. Well, are you the one doing the exam, meaning the physician, or are because it's allowed now, it, is your staff doing that? I'm seeing a lot of practices where the physician does barely a history anymore. They just read what the person that put the patient in the room does, whether that be a medical assistant or, you know, an RN. It's not a mid-level provider because they're seeing their own patients. And then they're just saying, okay, and then they move on with the visit. Well, you can't include any documented time by the staff on that. So this is where, it, again, who's policing this? And you can't just give the patient a pamphlet. I've seen that recently. We've also given the patient a pamphlet, um, counseling and educating the patient. Who's doing that? Is that staff or is that the physician? You know, ordering medications, tests or procedures. Are you charging for anything like that? Um, referring and communicating with other professionals out there when not separately reported. Again, are you charging for that? And then documenting the clinical information in the record, okay, but are you doing that as you go or separately? That has to be clear. And then any, any kind of independently, uh, independent interpretation of tests, that's also, again, not separately reported. Or let's say that you signed off on a home health order in the room. You can't charge for that because you're going to pay charge separate for that. So this is where time becomes almost... An, an anchor on your your ankle because you're you're getting pulled down by the weight of the expense it's going to take for your staff to figure out well can I even you know code that or use that time because it may not be appropriate so here's another one that comes up and this is number six if you're keep, keeping track of my numbers here what about for the provider if you are primary care OB-GYN, um, internal medicine, that does what we call dual visits. They're not split visits because it's not like the hospital split shared visits. We don't want to call them that anymore. We used to, but it doesn't fit the descriptor. So what about if you are providing a preventative service and then you're also providing an office visit for maybe an exacerbation or what they call a significant uh, separate service with a 25 modifier? Well, remember, preventative services are not time-based. And they're not affected by any of the 2021 or 2022 changes. So these are reported based on um, history, exam, and they actually have to have a comprehensive history. They have to have age and gender appropriate physical exam. Um, it includes all your screenings, immunizations, advidance, guides, guidance, pap, pelvic, all of that. And so um, one of the things that it came out on a February 2021 CPT assistant it said if time is used for selection of a level of office visit um, and the time spent on the preventative service, that cannot be counted towards the time of the work of the problem assessment uh, because the time perform per performing the service cannot be counted twice. And so the code for the problem assessment portion of the encounter, meaning the dual visit, has to be based on medical decision making. So this is where, again, it, it could hinder you if you're timing everything. And there was a statement that came out before I move on to number seven uh, with one of the payers that basically said, I think it was Noridian, 
And it said, well, can everybody just time if they wanted to time everything on their own? Could they do it? And they said, well, you could, but we don't recommend it. This is don't always look at things in coding situations. Look at them as med legal. You know, what can you support? What can you prove? And you've got to be very specific on that. So here's another one. Uh, and this is number seven. Can I use time above and beyond? Or I, I mentioned the phone call code uh, for the prolonged care. But it also says if it cuts, if the video cuts out after five minutes, but the total time of the visit was 20 minutes, um, can I still code for the ENM service? No. On the FAQ fee for service sheets for COVID-19 under the public health emergency, they said you have to code for what you did. And if if only five minutes was audio video, there's no there's no phone call or there's no um, E&M for that. You actually have to divert now or default now to the phone call codes, the 99442 again during the PHE because those are going to go away soon. So time is is really it's kind of becoming a crutch. Think of something else. What about and this is number seven. What about the portal visits? So they don't they don't really don't depend on PHE because they're just um, what they call um, telecommunication services. But these are seven day global codes, meaning that you have to um, aggregate your time. So it's five to 10 minutes, 11 to 20, 21 or more over a period of a week. Is your computer calculating that for you? Or are the, does a physician have a little business card in their pocket every time they log into their EMR to you know communicate with a patient over a portal? Or are you doing it through email? It's so important to really understand this because this is going to become a problem when you're you know you're blocking let's say four hours for a um, an office and all these timed visits are trying to be packed into that four hours that equal to twenty hours. And I remember when I was just starting to audit, you know, 27 years ago, um, I remember auditing for a, a Medicare carrier that it was actually Transamerica before we had Noridium in California. And they were saying, we have a doctor who's trying to bill for 30 hours of critical care time. Well, you're seeing me face plant emoji right now because that, you, that it's medically unbelievable. And so again, time kind of gets to you, gets you in that kind of situation. So the other thing that another thing that has come up, I should say the other, just another thing that's come up is when you're dealing with emergency department visits. Remember, you don't use time in an ER visit. You only use a, a medical decision making. So that's another caveat there. I saw one doctor um, in a dictated note. I was doing a, an ER audit of about just a small one. They just wanted to look at a couple of physicians. Uh, we just looked at 100 records and everything was timed in the then they tried to bill it as a higher level service for time. And I'm like, where are you getting this? So this is all that has to be medical decision-making. And unfortunately we, we, based on medical decision-making, we had to download code a lot of those services. And so, you know, if that's, that's not a, not a good thing. And then as we look at number eight here, um, one of the things that has come up for me is now when we get into the split and shared visits, it seems like that's all I talk about lately, but split or shared visits in the hospital setting. So it talks about in the CPT book, okay, it says that a shared or split visit is defined as a visit in which a physician or other qualified healthcare professional both provide face-to-face -face and non-face-to-face -face work related to the visit. Well, if you're timing your visit, that's going to be hard to prove. Also, you know, Medicare, they come in and say, well, you know, I hate this rule, but they're like, it doesn't necessarily have to be the, the physician who built to build some of the non face to face. But now you get into having to prove it. And 
I wouldn't want to go in front of a judge saying I did some non face to face work, but uh, and here's the timing for it, but I was never in the hospital. So so that's a really, really big deal. But then we we get into the hospital. And when I was talking before about prolonged services, hospital and prolonged services um, have expanded because into the G codes, and I always call those G we're watching you, because they also don't agree with CPT of when the time starts. So if you're dealing with, it's one thing to go Medicare and then everybody else. But if you're dealing with a commercial plan that says we follow Medicare guidelines, do you know who they are? Because that that is going to be a huge deal. You know, you get into some of the thresholds for, let's just say nursing facility, which would be the GO317 for the additional 15 minutes on a prolonged service code. You'd have to hit 60 minutes or longer um, and then 15 minutes after that, uh, so 75 minutes to be able to add on that uh, that G code. And I've shadowed physicians in the hospital setting, in the skilled nursing facility setting, in the long-term nursing facility, and they don't spend that kind of time with the patients. So hospital, you are on the run. I mean, you you know, you may have that exceptional patient or exception patient where. Uh, you know, your physician may be spending 20, 30 minutes with, with the family, having that conversation, maybe even 40 minutes, but I'm not seeing it go past that. So medical decision-making would be your best option, unless truly it is a, a time situation where um, you can actually prove that you were there that much time. Now, critical care, which is number nine, that obviously is going to have to have time, which number nine, the, my concern here is that when they are time-based codes, so critical care is one of them, prolonged service is one of them, phone calls are, are, are them too, and not just codes that you could base it on time. But when you have time-based codes, you have to include time. You know, think about the care management codes, you know, um, transitional care management and, cr and chronic care management. If you don't include time plus the elements needed to support those services, you have no code. You have to include time in those time-based codes and it has to be believable. So because they're not just looking at what you did, but if there's any other providers involved, then it's really important to realize that it, it could be both your visit and uh, someone else's visit, and then do they conflict? Because, I mean, that could be a problem. And then the last thing, and this is to all the internal auditors out there, even external auditors, the biggest problem that we have from uh, probably the biggest headache in auditing would be looking back, did you give previous credit to a physician? So you're auditing a visit today, and everything looks fine. They, they decided they wanted to use time as their leveling agent. And but then you sit there and go, wait a minute, I'm using time that they use to review a previous test that they paid for, or they, they that they got paid for. And so and the medical decision making, you're not giving them a review on that follow up visit, because they already got credit for the order under category one on the previous visit, but are now you giving them credit for that time on the next visit. So this is where you not only have to know what's going on today, but you now have to look back and see what happened and what you gave credit for previous visits or the visit before that, the visit before that. You know, a question comes in quite a bit, I know to, to me and a lot of consultants, how long can we continue to give credit for the physician who says that they did, you know, an independent review or um, they're, get, they're giving a review again to the patient on something because it happens to be in the record. 
You know, there is not an expectation that you're going to give this credit over and over and over again. It's going to be given one time and the patient knows what's going on with that. So you can't continue to say I'm giving credit for something that you already did in a previous visit. So my goal today basically with the with the CodeCast was to really just give you a heads up to be a little bit more in your due diligence, a little bit more mindful, and just a little bit more aware that if you're always using time, always coding time, and it's not a time-based code where you could use either medical decision-making or time, you might want to direct your physicians to medical decision-making because I would say it keeps you less off the radar and it also doesn't make you have to go back and look at ledgers and decide, is this a medically believable day? The last thing I want to say here, since I did hit my top 10, uh, we've had some glitches in Medicare and CMS came out and said, oh, sorry. So because we've had the uh, combined service codes of 99221 to 223 and then 99231 to 233 and then, of course, the discharge codes combined to inpatient and observation, we actually, you may have seen a denial between January 1st and January 23rd. Uh, for it, it doesn't know what kind of reasons, but they came out and said, CMS said that there was a claims processing system glitch and that it was corrected on the 23rd and to not uh, resubmit that the Mac is supposed to realize that that was um, a glitch and that you're going to get paid because they're going to reprocess. But if you've received any denials, you need to monitor those. And if you don't get paid with it, repaid in 30 days, you'll need to go back and, and inquire why you didn't get paid. But this, we knew this was going to happen. We even said as soon as the, we saw the the change in the inpatient to the uh, the combined service of inpatient and observation. We knew that if we used an observation or outpatient place of service, 22 with a 99223, let's say, or 99232, it was going to get kicked. We just knew it wasn't going to be updated. And so unfortunately, you're now kind of the brunt of, of that loss. So keep an eye on it. Hopefully they'll resubmit it and you'll get it as they said they would, but it doesn't always happen. So if you did receive any denials, make sure that you're just keeping an eye on it. So for those of you that are always looking for information that you can access, make sure you're going to my website at terryfletcher.net and looking on my blog site, my articles. So I have some things up there regarding the end of the PHE and what to expect. Also check out the blog site on NAMIS, which is the National Association of Medical Auditors. And so namis.co. Uh, I'll also be participating in their annual virtual conference this year, and I'll be doing a dual session with actually my cousin, uh, Brianna Santoli, who is a healthcare attorney out of New Jersey. And so we'll be on on April 5th. So take a look at that as well. And uh, hopefully you'll find some of that information helpful. My Medicare update, I have a Medicare first quarter update, which is going to be absolutely jam-packed for the NSCHBC. So look at their website, nschbc.org. That's going to be on March 28th. Um, but that stuff, that is going to have a lot of information that you're going to need. So hopefully you'll register for that as well. And then on a personal note, um, it looks like my daughter got to, uh, just got hired as the varsity coach for softball for her high school. So I'm pretty excited about that. So it means I'm going to be making more trips to Arizona <laughs> to watch her, watch her coach. I think I might've mentioned that before, but I'm pretty excited about that. So that that's always a good thing. And it's starting to warm up a little bit here in California. I don't know where you, where you are, or what you guys are doing, but I'm just happy to get back in the pool and, and not be freezing all the time. I, I don't know about 
about you, but I have a space heater in my office. So, so everyone make it a great rest of your week, make it a great day. And I'll talk to you in March. Thank you for listening to the CodeCast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing, and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at TerryCoder1 or visit her website at www.terryfletcher.net. Podcast producer Joe Kuzma. Music producer Assassin Music. <laughs>